welcome. Uh, thank you for being here. There's a lot of you here in person. So uh, whether you're joining us here uh, in person or whether you're joining us online, we are excited to have you. Um, just welcome. Uh, whether it's your first time or whether you've been here uh, a million times, we are excited to have you. Um, if you are online, um, your online host today is Todd, so he's gonna be there. Uh, make sure you're talking to him. We actually, if you guys don't know the people that are here in person, we have people watching live all over the place. Um, and some of them are just single people watching in their homes all over the uh, country, all over the world. We have a big following in England for some reason. I don't know. Um, and uh, so, but there's also uh, families watching together and people get together and there's just little homes. And my uh, wife and my kids and a couple of our friends and their kids are actually watching online. Uh, so welcome everybody, uh, whether this is your first time, uh, like I said, or whether you, know, you come here regularly. So thanks for being here. Uh, if you've missed the past uh, couple weeks, we are actually um, in week three of a series um, called Famous Last Words. Famous Last Words. And we talked about, you can go ahead and bring that table out. Um, we talked about how uh, in the past, this is week three. And in the past couple weeks, um, Andy actually kicked it off for us two weeks ago. Thank you very much. Uh, Andy kicked it off for us um, a couple weeks ago, and the reason why we picked this series is next week um, is Easter, so if you guys didn't know, next week is Easter, and obviously we're focusing on the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. It's what our entire faith is founded on, uh, but instead of just high highlighting that for one week, what we wanted to do is to break it off and to take it in little chunks and take it in four weeks. So week one, we talked about, um, Andy talked, and, and the, the words we focused on was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Andy talked about how Jesus uh, was God's plan all along. He fulfilled the prophecies, and the more and more that we see um, that, the more that we see that this wasn't just some fluke, this wasn't just um, an idea that just came out of nowhere, but Jesus was God's original plan. And week two, um, Dave spoke. He talked about uh, the, the, the thing he highlighted was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we talked about how Jesus was a picture of God's mercy. And it was a great message all about forgiveness. And it was a, the first half was, was really good. And it talked about God's forgiveness for us and how he's forgiven us. And then the second half was a little bit more difficult when he then turned it around on us and said, because we are forgiven, we have to forgive others. And I, uh, I remember him saying, there's probably people in your, in your brain right now that you're thinking of that you need to let go. You need to forgive that. And that was a really challenging week. And it was awesome. Um, so then this week, um, the passage that we're looking at, we're gonna move on to the next of Jesus's last words. And the passage that we're gonna be looking at this week is in Luke. So if you don't have your Bibles or the YouVersion app, like Justin said, um, it'll be on the screen underneath us. And this passage is in Luke 23, uh, verses 39 is where we're gonna start. And it says, one of the criminals who hung there next to Jesus, so just to set this up a little bit, Jesus is in the middle of the crucifixion. We're here in week three, and he's being crucified in the middle, and on each side of him are two criminals. And this is where we pick up the story. It's a conversation between these criminals and Jesus. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly and we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this may sound a little dark. Really, the entire concept of this entire series, if you really want to get into it and think about it, like a man's famous last words, it's a little dark. That's what's going on here. We see this conversation between these two men and Jesus, and specifically between one criminal and Jesus. And we're looking at what are these people's last conversation before they die. But this conversation, this story is not a story of death. This is a story of grace. And when Dave asked me to preach, it was a few weeks ago, uh, we were planning this series and and we were kind of going along the weeks and seeing what we were going to do. And he asked me to take a week and I was a little nervous. I was like, I haven't preached in a long time. It's been a while since I'm up here. I feel rusty. I don't know if I can remember how to do it, if I'm going to stutter. I was like, but he pretty much just said, hey, you're taking a week kind of thing. So, So I was like, okay, I guess I'm saying yes. And he's like, go look over the list, think about it, pray about it, see what you like. So I'm going through the list and I get to this one and I see that this week is all about grace. And I thought, yeah, I've preached on grace hundreds of times. I could do that. I could throw something together. I could do that. So I was like, Dave, I'll take grace. He's like, great, you're ready to go. Here's your week. Here it is. So what I like to do when preparing a message, um, I had to remember because it it's been a while. But what I like to do is I like to spend some time studying the passage that we're going to be talking about or that I'm going to be teaching on. And I like to take that passage and I like to look at it in all these different interpretations and different versions of the Bible and see if there's any key words that um, one over the other that I like to pick out. I like to see what comes before it for context. I like to see what comes after it. I like to see if there's any other research about it, if there's any other places, any stories that Jesus told that maybe correlates to this. So I did this. I spent a few hours just kind of studying. I'm like, okay. And then when I went to start writing my message, um, I work on um, a lot of projects with one of my friends, and he does this. He makes us do it on all the projects. Uh, He calls it our crappy first draft. And he uses a different word, um, but we'll say crappy first draft and uh, for today. And what this is, is this is just getting every, anything you can think of, just get it out on paper. Just get it down there. So this is what I started doing. I, I set aside an hour, uh, and I grab a notebook, and I just start writing, writing everything I can think of, anything that comes to my mind. No idea is a bad idea. I'm writing it down. One page, two page, three page, three and a half pages, four pages. I finally get done my four pages, my hour's up. I'm like, okay, this is good. And then what I like to do is I like to go through that, see what correlates, pull things together, see if I can make any connections. And I start looking here, and I start um, going over my notes, and it was all over the place. I mean, if you were to look at here at these notes, it looked like there was probably eight different people in my brain that were adding notes to this. I mean, it was all over the place. And I realized that no matter how much I thought I knew about grace or how many times I had spoken on it, I wasn't necessarily sure what exactly even is grace. What is it? How do we explain it? I think if we were asking one of you or if you were gonna ask me, hey, do you know what grace is? Yeah. Yeah, I know what grace is. Okay, what is it? Explain it. Well, uh, we sing about it, right? We just sang about it today. This is amazing grace, right? We sing about it. 
We talk about it. We say some words before we eat. Some people call that grace. Maybe you bought a wooden cutout of it from Hobby Lobby and you put it on your wall above your toilet. Why? Joanna Gaines told us to? I don't know. First shiplap, now grace. But what is it? And I think this is kind of confusing. What even is it? Have you ever received a gift? You know, it's one of those gifts that someone brings to you and you weren't expecting it. Maybe it's, uh, there's no explanation. They just bring you a gift and they give it to you. And they're like, here you go, open this. You're like, oh, for me? Okay. You start opening the gift. Wow, it's uh, unique. I love it. I love it. What is it? And you're not sure what it is? My daughter does this to me all the time. She's two, and she does this to me all the time. She loves to build stuff. She loves to create. She's going to be like an engineer someday, and she loves creating, and she's building things, and she always runs and like, Dad, 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 I made something for you. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. And a couple of weeks ago, we were able to go on our uh, a vacation. It was our first time ever to the beach. So we walk onto the beach, and this is her on the beach. And there's the water in front of us, this amazing ocean, and she doesn't even see it because all she's focused on is that sand right there. And she is just sand and shells, and she's just obsessed. And she's building stuff all day, building, building, building. And it's just like, it was like, free babysitting. It was amazing. She just sat there. It was awesome. And she's building stuff and she's making little sandcastles and she um, is just having the time of her life. And then she runs up to me and, and she's like, dad, 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 I made you something. Okay. Okay. She's like, come back here. Come here. Come see it. So she grabs my finger and she drags me over here and I'm looking at it. She's like, dad, look. Oh, Sis, it's beautiful. It's a giraffe. And instantly that smile went from a smile to just devastation. No. My wife says, uh, it's a birthday cake. <laughs> Which would have been nice to, a little heads up. And I'm like, oh, how am I gonna, how am I gonna do it? So then, so I, I was thinking quick and I said, that's what I mean, a giraffe-shaped birthday cake. And instantly, that did the trick. She was fine, it was, it was good. See, I knew it was valuable. I knew it was special. I knew it was something that she created for me. I just didn't know what exactly it was or what exactly to do with it. And when it comes to grace, I think if we're honest, we're not necessarily sure exactly what it is sometimes either. Maybe we're not sure exactly what to do with it. What is it? Who's it for? Do I get it? Does she get it? Does she get it? Does he get it? What is it? How much is there? Is there a limit? Do I get a certain amount in a lifetime? Do I have to earn it? Do everyone, does everyone get the same? Is there enough to go around? Is there like a pool that we're pulling out of? I'm not sure. And if we're honest, it gets kind of confusing. And when I'm kind of not sure about something and I may be confused or trying to figure out what it is, what I like to do is what we just sing about and look to Jesus. See, hey, 
did Jesus talk about this at all? Was there somewhere in the Bible where maybe he touched on certain things that gives us an insight? And um, I love how Jesus taught because he taught in stories. He just told stories. And sometimes in certain Bibles, they're referred to as parables. So he'd talk into these parables and these stories and he'd explain different concepts through those. And one of them that I wanna take a look at today is in Matthew 20. And in Matthew 20, we're gonna be looking at the parable of the vineyard workers. The parable of the vineyard workers. And um, if you haven't heard this, it's this crazy story that doesn't sound like anything that would happen these days. Uh, But a lot of what Jesus says is contrary to how we act how we run our business, how we do things. So we pick up here in Matthew 20, verse one, and he's telling this story, he's teaching. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal day's wage and he sent them out to work. It then says at nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace again and he saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them too telling them that he'd pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went in and worked. And again at noon and again at three o'clock, he went back and he did the same thing, hired more workers. Finally, at five o'clock in the afternoon, he was back in town again and he saw some more people standing around and he asked them, why aren't you working? Why haven't you been working today? And they replied, because nobody hired us. So the landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. Here's a job, go out and do it. That evening, he told the foreman of the vineyard, he called, the, called them together, he says, call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. Full day's wage from five o'clock. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. These people only worked for an hour. I worked all day. I'm I'm assuming I'm gonna get more. But they too were paid a day's wage. And when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people, those people only worked for one hour, yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. The same amount of money. And the landowner answered to them and said, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my own money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So these workers were upset. They weren't upset because of the amount they were paid. They were upset because they thought that they deserved more pay than the people who had only worked a short amount of time. I mean, after all, they were there all day. They were upset. And for some reason, we find that this is a misconception I think we pull into grace as well. And that misconception is that we have anything to do with it, that we somehow can earn it, that we somehow, depending on the amount of good works that we do 
or the things that we'd say or the people that we help that we can in some way gain more grace. We can in some way earn grace. That there's just a small amount of grace, we gotta earn it. There's only so much to go around and we think it's all on us. And when we take it into our own hands and feel like we have anything to do with grace, what happens is comparison. Comparison and judgment. We start comparing ourselves to others depending on how much grace that we feel like we need and how much grace we feel like they deserve. That person deserves to be canceled for what they did. Cancel culture, we hear it a lot right now. They should never work again. Where's the grace? I heard this a a lot this year. If you think blank about blank, you can go ahead and just unfollow me now, right? Where's the grace? If you voted for blank or you stand for this issue, then you're not even a Christian. Where's the grace? We love to form a comparison and a judgment. And what we do is we wanna make sure that there is an us and a them. And when we can make sure that there's an us and a them, what we get to do is say, well, how much grace do I need? I do this, I do that. I think I need some grace, that's fine. I need a little bit of grace, but that's all that they get too. If I only get this amount of grace, they get the same. It's us against them. And we're trying to determine how much grace that we think we deserve, how much grace that we think that we can work for. And we turn it into a comparison because it has to be fair. Or maybe you're in another group of people and you feel like you've just screwed up bad. You've lived a rough life maybe, you haven't been following Jesus for whatever, you've hurt too many people, you've done too much wrong, and grace for you is a little different. Maybe grace for you is a little bit harder. It's this fun fantasy idea that sounds cool and sounds like a good idea, but you feel like you could never earn that much. You feel like there's just not enough to go around. But Jesus, hanging on the cross, this conversation with a criminal, this conversation with a thief, grace looks a little bit different. Grace feels a little bit different. It's not about comparison. It's not about judgment. We here are on a conversation with a guilty man and an innocent man. The sinner next to the Savior. And we come in to the story of Jesus on the cross in the middle of his famous last words. And we find this conversation between the two men. See, they weren't the only people there. Jesus on the cross, the two men next to him being crucified. And he's having a conversation with one of the men who's asking for grace, is asking to be remembered. But there were more people there than just that. 
It says earlier in the passages that there were a lot of followers of Jesus that were gathered around watching this. His family was there. His friends were there. People who followed him for a long time are also there. I wonder what they thought of this conversation. I wonder how they thought this was gonna go. Why is Jesus talking to that guy? What's going on? He's about to die and he's having a conversation with a criminal? In my Bible, uh, in the book of Luke, where we're going over today, we're talking about the crucifixion, and it's in uh, this chapter here, and the entire account of the crucifixion takes up about half of a chapter. Half of a chapter. That's seven paragraphs in my Bible. And one entire paragraph is dedicated to a conversation with a criminal who his entire life so everything that we know didn't do anything to deserve grace from Jesus. This is the last person that you think would be having a conversation. And in this passage, we don't see accounts of conversations between Jesus' followers and Jesus' Jesus's, uh, friends and his family. We see a conversation here between a very unlikely person. And in the middle of Jesus' famous last words, we have a criminal who has no business being next to Jesus even. And he makes one final request from the Savior of the world. He asks to be remembered by Jesus. He asks for grace. And Jesus says, absolutely. He didn't care that this was the end. He didn't care that this criminal didn't ask before, didn't get his life together, and then come for grace. He just said yes. And I think at that moment, both the criminal and the group of people who had been longtime followers of Jesus got a glimpse just how valuable that gift of grace was. Because when we see the price that was paid for us to get that grace, it's no longer two groups of worthy and unworthy. It takes all of us and puts it on the exact same level playing field. We say a lot that it's a free gift of grace. And to us, it is. But to Jesus, it costs so much. It costs his life. To God, it costs his son's life coming down here so that we could accept that grace. And we jump in here and focus an entire conversation of just the seven paragraphs on a conversation about grace between a criminal and Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you feel like that criminal. Maybe you feel like I could never ask Jesus for grace. I could never do enough. Or maybe you have asked him before 
but life gets tough. I know this is a, a tough year and a half for a lot of us, and we can look back and, and think, do I even deserve grace? And we see here on the cross the ultimate price that was paid. And we're gonna close here, and I'm gonna pray. And if there's any of you here that are struggling to accept that gift of grace, maybe you've never accepted it before. Maybe you used to and you've fallen um, into whatever. I want you to pray that prayer with me. And then we're all gonna pray together as well. That we would truly get the understanding of the price that was paid. And as we go into this final week Leading up to Easter, some people call it Holy Week. Help us truly understand the price that was paid and the gift that we get that we call grace. Because in week one, we talked about how Jesus was God's original plan. Last week, we talked about how Jesus was a picture of God's mercy. And this week, between a conversation of two unlikely individuals, to unlikely acquaintances, we see Jesus as a picture of God's grace. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray for anyone here who is struggling with that idea of your grace, is struggling to know even what to do with it. My prayer is that right now, my prayer is that right now we would accept that grace we would focus on you and we would know that it's nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with you, Jesus. And for everybody, I pray that that would be a reminder this week, that we would go along our weeks with that acceptance of grace and that remembrance of the ultimate price that you paid to accept that grace. Thank you that we are here today. Thank you that we are able to worship and listen to your teachings. In Jesus' name, amen.